Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skills-Caspo. A bit of a quiet week, at, at least as far as on-field action and, you know, there's on on court action, I guess, and there's reason for that uh, we'll get into in just a little bit, but... Uh, I think we want to lead off with some football news. Um, you know, all you know, we're seeing reports. Uh, nothing's been made official. Well, I guess it has been made official that David Braun is now the defensive coordinator at Northwestern. Um, you know, we talked about that last last week uh, that it was it was happening, but you know, it was now made official by the athletic department. Uh, so that's exciting. And uh, you know, I guess on on the same note, um, you know, word is. And again, we don't have anything official from the school, but you know, plenty of reports out there that uh, we've hired our defensive line coach, thus rounding out the the staff. Uh, going back to the Dakotas, going back to the national championship game of FCS, uh, but going to the other side of the field uh, with Christian Smith, the defensive line coach for South Dakota State, uh, seems to be poised to uh, take over the reins uh, for Northwestern. Uh, it's almost like... Northwestern listened to our podcast last week and was like, "We well, guys talked a lot about South Dakota State too, so uh, should, we, <laughs> should, should we go to that well? It's pretty funny. I feel like we're almost like teed up. Of course, most of the talk we were doing about South Dakota State was specifically was relative to their offense and the problems North Dakota State had with their offense. But in general terms, I mean, I remember Scuzz even specifically talking about it, that it's like, you know, South Dakota State is this ascendant program right now i mean they're they have muscled right in you know with north dakota state and that part of the reason you know that the the david braun departure from north dakota state you know that there was there were some not i don't, I don't want to say sour grapes but you know we heard from a couple ndsu fans and you could tell that the root of their consternation was this you know the fact that sdsu has the leg up on them right now well we're taking the best of both worlds here um because there's Two years ago, there was absolutely no doubt who the best defense in the FCS was, and that was North Dakota State. Last year, I guess you could maybe say that all those four stars and five stars that Dion had down at Jackson State might have had the crown for best defense, but number two or even number one A was South Dakota State. Wait, are, are you was, talking about yeah. uh, Colorado's defense now? Yeah, yeah, that's right. They're, they're now now have all en masse taken up residence uh, in Boulder, Colorado. But number t- number two was South Dakota State. They were top three in total defense, scoring defense. But at the top of that heap was their run defense, which was ludicrously good, eighty-eight yards a game. Um, why you know? Why was it so good? Well, they had a great defense overall, but it started on the defensive line and, you know, just spreading the frosting on even more. It started in the interior of the defensive line. Um, and both that that defensive line and particularly the interior of that defensive line were presided over by Christian Smith. Uh, an incredible addition. Yeah, I mean, like, Smith kind of ticks a lot of the same exciting boxes that um we we talked about with braun and that he's a young ascending coach um having championship level success uh in in fcs and you know i think 
we didn't really get into this, but there's been some discourse on Twitter around like, oh, could, you know, what, with, with Braun, is he really, you know, in that, that hot coordinator echelon, right? That, that, that gets talked about for all the open positions. And the reality is Northwestern's just not going to compete for those guys right now. Um, going to the top of FCS seems like a really fantastic approach for Northwestern. Um, you, when you look at, at uh, Christian Smith's profile on uh, the South Dakota State Athletic Department, they talk about Iowa as, as, as his recruiting area that he focuses on. I mean, this is a guy with, you know, in, in some of the same ways as Braun, Midwest ties, um, championship coaching pedigree. He's a young coach. Uh, he's a coach of color, which I think is really important, um, as we've talked about in the past. And it's like you, we, we, I think I said this on Twitter, maybe not on our last podcast, but you can see this coaching staff morph before your very eyes, you know, with Orion Smith and now a, a Christian Smith with a David Braun, um, Armand Bins coming in at, in at wide receiver. Like th- this staff, th- they're very intentionally going young. And they're very intentionally finding guys with championship pedigree who are going to connect with uh, today's recruits and, and college players, and that's awesome to see. It's what it's it's what we need for sure. And I think this idea of just performance, right? And yeah, it's it's the FCS level. We went up and down this mountain, you know, at great length when we talked about David Braun, but performance, earning the job. Well, FCS, FBS, whatever. I mean, these guys are just their track record is phenomenal not just in terms of the team accolades that these guys i mean you're talking about the last two you know the last two and three of the last four fcs national titles i mean core members of that but also like the player development and this is something that that again we talked about at length with david braun and this perception that oh well ndsu has all this talent and everything and it's like well first of all NDSU is, and and these teams have built powerhouses not by stacking up, A, all like the three stars they can get their hands on that somehow don't wind up at other schools. It doesn't work that way. Or B, whatever the best cast-off transfers are from the FBS level that wind up at certain teams. As a point of reference, so Christian Smith spent two years specifically as and I mean this is going to warm the cockles of every Northwestern fan who cares <laughs> specifically as a defensive tackles coach for several years at South Dakota State and was so good that they expanded his role from defensive tackles to the entire defensive line but you could easily argue that the bell cow of his defensive line, and by extension, the entire South Dakota State defense for the past four years has been Caleb Sanders, a defensive tackle. Caleb Sanders is the apex example, not just of what we're talking about with Christian Smith, we're talking about with David Braun and what these guys have done at these Missouri Valley Conference uh, powers. Is Caleb Sanders an unbelievable defensive tackle with 42 and a half tackles for loss in his time at South Dakota State. Yes, he is. Is that because he's 6'3", 320 pounds and was a three-star? This guy's 6'1", 270. He doesn't start at 6'1", 270 for any FBS team. 
He just doesn't. Those guys don't get recruited to FBS schools. Not to be 6'1", 270 and be a defensive tackle. This guy's been a god at the FCS level. That's development and coaching. It's getting the absolute maximum performance out of the best caliber of guy that you're able to bring into your school, right? And, this and wasn't I, for I, one I think year. I think right. that's a key point. You know, talking about right. like you're you're not getting the best of the best. You know, like you're not getting uh, a roster that's equivalent to like an Alabama or a Georgia. Um, you're getting guys who you can get, which you know for Northwestern, it's gonna be, we're getting we'll, we'll be getting guys who we can get, and then coaching them up, uh, scheming them up to a, a place where you're able to compete for national championships in FCS. I'm not concerned about the FCS FBS division because I think it's, you know, more about the coaching, the 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 strategy, the 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 mind thought, the mind process of of the of the organization of the program. It, less than just like the you know, the talent on the field. I think that that's that's what you were pretty much saying though, right, John? Absolutely. And I mean, again, it's like we we look at you mentioned earlier, Scuzz. Where did he? What is Christian Smith's recruiting area? South Dakota State. Where did they get? I mean, uh, where is his recruiting area? Iowa. Where did they get Caleb Sanders out of Iowa? Uh, Rivals has him listed as a zero star recruit, six two, two hundred sixty pounds from Glenwood, Iowa. Had did not have a Northern Iowa offer, and of course did not have an Iowa offer. Right. Went to South Dakota State and was a god for like four years. I mean, that's like the Northwestern story, right? It's finding those guys that maybe someone else that were maybe three stars, but in hindsight, you're like, oh, that guy should have been a four star. Or guys like two stars and in hindsight, you're like, oh, man, that guy should have been a three star, right? Um, we want to mine those diamonds. I mean, yes, we want the big recruits, but these are developers, they're program builders. They're guys that are in for the long haul, smart guys, get scheme, get development. And then that pedigree, guys coming from places that are used to winning and competing at the highest level every year. I mean, it's, I mean, we just, gold star, gold star for these hires. I'm just like, it's just merit-based to the nth degree. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I love both of these hires. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I like, I think, I think, you can see the intentionality. You can see the smarts behind it. Um, you can see the pedigree of these guys as coaches. And yes, like, sure, the Big Ten will be a step up from, you know, the top level of, of level of FCS. I would argue that the Big Ten West is maybe not that much of a step up from the top <laughs> level of FCS. Um, North Dakota was so, State would slot right you know, in in the West the, right now. There was somebody that made a comment about, like, I, I, it wasn't, you know, I don't think it was a Northwestern person per se, but somebody made some comment about uh, David Braun coming and having to match up now with, like, the top offensive minds in, FC, in FBS. And I was like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like Brian Ferentz? <laughs> like, like, Jesus. Um, but I just, like, again, it's it, uh, to your point, John, it's merit-based. It makes sense. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I, think, I think the next huge question for both of these guys is going to be the portal because next year we know the roster for 2023 at Northwestern don't look great. And the big question is, can we pull in some players that can change that fortune? And well, hasn't, um, hasn't well, the early portal window, didn't that close like today? 
the early portal window closed. That, that means you can't enter the portal, but that doesn't mean you can't leave the portal, I believe. Um, okay. Because there's... Interestingly, there's a couple of uh, defensive backs from NDSU that are in the portal. Um, there's a ton of uncommitted defensive tackles and defensive linemen in the portal right now. Um, whether or not those guys have you know the 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 grades or what they would need or the interest e- even to uh, to transfer to Northwestern is another question. But um, this is you know st- step one was getting these coaches, and I think they've done a good job of identifying. Uh, ascendant talent and bringing them to Northwestern. And then the next question now is, can we get some players to bolster next year's roster? And if not, the development uh, pathway with what have been really good recruiting classes for you know three or four years running uh, is is where the focus is. So um, that next that next step, we'll just have to see what what plays out over the next six months. Right, and also, and we talked about this last week, but you know. You even see some comments. You saw we saw him with the David Braun hire. We've seen him this week with the Christian Smith hire, um, where people being like, "Great, now all we need is like quarterbacks, wide receivers, defensive linemen, and everything." And it's like, I mean, you're not wrong. We were one and eleven last year. There's no quick road up here, but you want to build with brick, right? Like you're built. You're building this thing to last. Right, I mean, but was it wasn't Tulane like one eleven last year? Well, I mean, again, right? It's our TCU, TCU, yeah, TCU, whatever TCU yeah. is. Right, you can get that quick change, right? But at the same time, like I'm looking something like and like I'm looking at a guy like this and being like, Tyler Gant is a big time defensive tackle recruit, and Christian Smith is the kind of guy that will unlock the potential in Gant, right? And being mm-hmm. like, maybe that happens as a true freshman. Maybe it doesn't happen as a true freshman. But give it time. Like, that's the kind of foundation that that we want to see. And maybe you bring in some tackles for the portal. But it's like, this might not be something that's, you know, that's, you know, Rome's not going to be built in a day here. But these are coaches who really get it and have the pedigree and are great developers of players and everything. And it's just like, you you get these in and then, you know, right. Like you guys said, they've... We've put it, we've built these good recruiting classes, and these are the kind of coaches that are going to help us cash that in. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's very exciting. And, you know, it's just kind of one, I, I guess now we can kind of close the book on, on the coaching search. You know, we're, we're looking at the portal now. Um, you know, spring practice obviously is, is coming up soon. Uh, one thing we did want to at least mention, um, and, you know, obviously we don't have any other information beyond what was what's been reported uh, and we're not going to go down in any rabbit holes of speculation or anything. I, I'm talking about the uh, allegations of hazing in the football program after the, after last season um, there, you know, Adam Rittenberg reported that there's uh, an investigation into uh, hazing allegations. Um, an independent attorney has been appointed and uh, you know, the word out of the, the university is basically, you know, we don't know whether the allegations are true. Hazing is prohibited by university policy, and we take the claim seriously. We will talk about it when there's something to talk about. Um, right. But we, we, just, we just wanted to mention that because, you know, we are aware of it, and it is something that, you know, we'll keep our eyes on. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, and hazing is a big word, and there's been no shortage of speculation, and we are not going to do that. Right. There's going to be right there. There will be information that will come out down the road and we will discuss that when when it becomes available. 
yeah. So um, one last football note. Uh, I think we just were we saw this today and we're like, huh, interesting. It's almost. I, I almost dovetail it with the Rome won't be built in a day reality check bit of <laughs> bit, bit of this. Yeah. So you know, it, I think it was an announced today. I mean, I I saw it kind of sort of slid under the radar on on Twitter um, that our homecoming game this upcoming year is against Howard. Um, you know, the non-con game in early October, and. It's like the first time in what sixty years that we haven't had homecoming against a Big Ten opponent. Um, That's yeah. We tweeted that. We tweeted that out. Then I realized that that undersells it because that you have to go back to nineteen sixty two when it was Notre Dame, and before that you have to go back to nineteen eighteen when it was University of Chicago. It's it's practically unprecedented. Well, in, in, in twenty in nineteen eighteen, wasn't University of Chicago part of the Big Ten? They I were. mean, there, well, there was no Big Ten then, so I don't know. Uh, oh, okay, you know, okay. it was like, yeah. I mean, right? I mean, we split with University of Chicago the two times that we played them on homecoming, which kind of tells you where where those football programs were at that period of time. I mean, what was it? Chicago had uh, the first Heisman Trophy winner, and that yeah, was they like, were a B, they were a BFD was, back right, then, right? That was like thirty years after the games that yeah. we're talking about here. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's there's basically no precedent for it. Um, yeah, and it's it's well, well I, mean, I think it's important. I think it's important to say like this in no way is a shot at Howard. No, um, I mean it's it's I, that, cool we're playing Howard. Um, yeah, I, it, it's just it's just kind of surprising that this is going to be the homecoming game um maybe this is a strategy from northwestern i'm I'm going to try to spin this positive for a moment like this might be a strategy from northwestern around like hey the fcs game is not usually a a well-attended game in the past we've you know we've we've done heroes day we've done band day we've done other types of events that second or third weekend of the season to try and attract folks in um when you look at the calendar for next year, this is this is honestly the obvious weekend. And we've had some people ask us, like, is it like like when's homecoming going to be? And we've kind of thought, well, maybe they'll do it a little bit earlier. Maybe they'll do it a little bit later than normal because it'd be strange for them to not do it against a Big Ten team. Um, but this could be a strategy to try and uh, bring in a good crowd for homecoming to to have a very a very winnable game. Um, I say that knowing that we lost to our FCS opponent this past season. Yes. I'm yeah, aware. we lost to everyone this past um, season. So. Yep. So, like, you know, I like let's not let's not go counting any chickens yet, folks. Um, but uh, I won't lie. Like, it's it's very strange. I mean, and we'd be fools not to to address the elephant or the bison, Howard Bison, in the room, right? <laughs> that when you, when you go one and eleven. And four and twenty over the past two years, and then schedule for whatever reason, and then schedule your homecoming game against an FCS team. Everyone's going to say that you're doing it because you're desperately trying to get a win on your homecoming. That's what everyone's going to say, whether it's true or not. That is what the perception is going to be, especially if you've never done it before, for all intents and purposes. So again, but I we mean, don't know. It's, it's not unheard of to ha- like it is you know for Northwestern it, we don't see it, but like. Right. You see it all the time in, in other schools, other conferences. Like, sure. You, you, you want, like, you're trying to schedule, like, your best chance at a win, you know, in, right. in other places. And I, I guess, you know, North, it's, kind of, it's kind of been a departure for Northwestern 
the way we've been doing it, you know, we in recent years, it's kind of put homecoming against a tough opponent, you know, someone who's going to be bringing in a lot of people on their own to try to buy up, uh, buy up some of those tickets. So, you know, reduce the size of the opposing team crowd. But, you know, I, I think, you know, this year and the, the last year of Ryan Field, as we know it, you know, it's let's, let's get a win. Well, and 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 let, let's just look at the schedule real quick to 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 map out the other options, right? Yeah. So September thirtieth versus Penn State. That's pretty early That's for homecoming. Early. Yeah. Um, I I don't even know if the students are fully engaged they should, by then. Um, like they they'll, they should be in at that point, I think. I think in, but like how like how will they have been there for more than a week? Well, well, and again, I don't want to go too inside baseball here, but like theoretically one would assume right that northwestern would hand the big 10 and be like we want to have homecoming here so can you give us a game you know what i mean like i it seems like that must have been the way that it was always done um i I will say this kind of spinning what's what you said earlier scuzz in another way hold on hold on no go ahead hold on can we can we hit the rest of the schedule real quick because then like the weekend after october 7th is a buy so to your point john about like working with the big 10 to like find a right opponent like that's kind of surprising that's a buy on october 14th um and then october 21st is at nebraska um so i mean maybe the request was like hey can we get three weeks to prepare for nebraska because we really want to beat them again (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then uh but that's but that's a road game and then october 28th is the other option presumably against maryland that would be pretty late for homecoming um I'll note that Talia Tungavaloa announced he's coming back to Maryland uh, next year. Um, but so, like, it's either very early, very late, or non Big Ten. Um, and I guess, like, none of those options is great. Right. I mean, it's it's funny because, in a way, like, in, in a vacuum, I mean, our friend Tom McGrath, like, on Twitter, put the tweet that about sums it up where he was like, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> and I'm like, I, yeah, I with you. I don't. I don't really know, right? Because there's both. On one hand, you're like, it's sure is weird. There is that that negative perception you're going to get with this. On the other hand, it does suck to go to your homecoming and have there be more of the other team's fans than your own yeah. fans. And that yeah. that's not going to happen this time. And you could nope. dovetail too that potentially in a future with a stadium that has a diminished capacity from our stadium, Northwestern's not going to be wanting to schedule homecoming against a team that's going to try to stuff 30,000 people into the building. So, you know, it could be testing the waters. It could be anything, you know, but again, it's like, you're not going to escape the perception that Northwestern's doing this to, to grab a win on homecoming day, coming off two really bad seasons. You're just not getting away from that, but yeah. And then, like you said, there's the other piece, and people tweeted about this too online. Yeah, the idea of playing Howard is cool. I mean, in a world where you're going to be playing an FCS team, like, I'd rather have it be, you know, like, Howard checks a lot of boxes. It's A, an academic fit. It's a really cool fit. It's really cool to be bringing in an HBCU. Um, And it's, I mean, so that piece of it is great. Um, I love that. It's just, it's, it's weird that it's happening on Homecoming. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. 
The Simpson Law Group, compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. So, you know, as, as we pivot to the hard court, um, you know, I, I think the, the big elephant of the room is the, the postponement of the Iowa game uh, that was supposed to go on Wednesday and then Saturday's game against Wisconsin uh, due to COVID-related uh, illness. Um, that's kind of all we know at this point, but, you know, it's the first kind of COVID, you know, pop-ups that we've seen. Um, also, I mean, not even just North- Northwestern, but like, it's like one of the first COVID related postponements I've seen this season, just kind of period. Um, you know, so, you know, there's kind of a built-in break here, uh, coming off two, uh, losses, you know, the close loss to Rutgers and then, you know, losing to Michigan on the road, a game that was close-ish down the stretch. And then Michigan kind of pulled away with it uh, a little bit late, but you know, kind of upside downside, you get uh, a break in the action to kind of regroup a little bit, but everyone has COVID. So, you know, how much of a, a break right. are you really getting? And I think we were talking about this before the pod and I think Scuzz made the, the good distinction too, that, you know, what we're reading because, right, you have this these two postponements is that Northwestern right now is, is short on players, that they effectively have multiple guys who are sick. And that's not to say to ring alarm bells about COVID. It's to be like, guys get sick. I mean, it could be it, it, like you could view it as like, I mean, COVID obviously is COVID and we know everything about that. But like there have been times where flu bugs rip through teams and whatever. And like the the bottom line is that like the team is short on guys to be available to play in the games right now. So they, they need to play. It's not a situation where like there was a test and then like a bunch of alarm bells ran off and like everybody like it's guys are sick. Like that's, that's the yeah. bottom line. Um, now we we don't definitively know that, but we're kind of speculating given that you haven't seen this pop up at other at other places. I mean, I I have to admit, like if the big like if the Big Ten still had a testing policy and that sort of thing, like that like this you would have seen this pop up previously because COVID has been, um, I mean you you know you've been seeing you've been seeing a, a an increase of cases and everything else um throughout the holiday season here. Like I like I have. Again, we don't know for sure, but um, it'd be very surprising to me if this is some like rogue policy that Northwestern has put in place. But that, that's what Clay Travis would have have us all believe <laughs> yeah, right. with his r- ranting and raving. Um, but uh, it is, I won't lie it's it's it, it's an opportune time for this team because they yeah. think they you know they, they were they were cooking with something that that the, the end of that Rutgers game was a was a travesty in that um, they should have won. Absolutely should have had that game. They gave it away. Uh, had a lead at halftime against Michigan. Um, I think just got you know ultimately you know Michigan is a, is a very talented deep team. It just had a, had had you know too much probably on the front court as well for Northwestern to really handle. Um, and you know we've been we've been we've been saying this team is going to be put through the ringer here in the Big Ten season. This is going to be hard for them. But um, having this you know you know, kind of mental regroup, um, may, may ultimately be beneficial. Yeah, it might. I mean, again, it's like the, it, you can't really describe it any better, you know, in terms of those two games, then it's just like the big 10 is just such a meat grinder. And this year, it seems like all the teams are so evenly matched and 
it's Northwestern's going to be capable of winning or losing just about any game on their schedule. And that's tough. I mean, again, that means you're going to be having to play out the stretch on a lot of close games and find ways to win. And right. There was that defensive error to let um, Pat Spencer's little brother, Camp Spencer, get open for that big three on a night when he'd been so hot. I'm not throwing stones at defensive errors, though, for one of the best defensive teams in the country. Like, look, you know, you're just like it's hard to throw a perfect game all season long. Like something like that. I'll, I'll 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 throw stones for going home with two timeouts. Well, that when well, there was it's, like 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 two critical possessions at either end of the floor, neither of which got talked over. Right. What had us pulling our hair out was the minute Spencer hit that three, it seemed like we reverted to a lot of the same problems that we've seen before. Right. And that that there wasn't a plan and that things went horribly wrong and stuff. And again, that's that's an old thing rearing its ugly head. I mean, again, in a larger sense, right, Michigan's a very good team that they played very hard against, and it just kind of got away from them in the second half. <clears throat> and that Rutgers game could have gone either way, and that was a absolute – I mean, the defense on display between those two teams was incredible. And Well, I, I think with the Michigan game, you know, it kind of – we ran into foul trouble. I mean, Robbie Barron got into foul trouble, and he was like the – the man in that Michigan game, like when he right. was on the floor, things were rocking and rolling. Yeah. But he got into foul trouble and, you know, had to, had to sit a lot down the street. And there was that one epic stretch near the end of the first half where the defense and the end to end play, the cats were displaying was just electric. Um, and you know, you, that just that peak basketball that you see that they're capable of playing. But you know, again, it's like, ain't no nights off in this conference. Like, we, you know, we when we dared to try to map out what a best path would be for this team earlier in the season, or I did. Scuzz was very much not on board. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, it was very much like I, you know, the path I was trying to match out was map map out was very much a war of attrition path, and be like, look, over this stretch, we got to take this many losses and try to pull this many wins out, and if we can do that, then we move on to the next. I mean, all of those goals are still very much in front of us. I mean, it's just like it was always assumed that we were going to probably take as good as we gave in the conference, and you know, that's right where we are right now. Well, and then, so the upcoming games, like in five days um, from, from now, uh, at Nebraska, Nebraska is a you know very middle of the road Big Ten team, three and five in conference, ten and nine overall. Um, a very winnable game for the Cats. And then they play the worst team in the in the conference in Minnesota uh, the following weekend. Minnesota's one and six in conference, seven and ten overall. They they look they look quite bad. Um, you know this is this is a classic sort of thing that that you know Northwestern matches up against the worst team in the conference and and has lost in the past. Uh, has looked has looked out of sorts and bad, et cetera. So they got to take that game really seriously. But um, again, these two games are both very very winnable. And then uh, on the thirty first is the is the postponed Iowa matchup that was canceled this past Wednesday. Um, so they'll go to Iowa City against you know a team that at least record wise looks on part with Northwestern. Iowa's you know when they're when they have a good night, they're putting up close to 100 points. So the Cats will have their hands full from a defensive perspective. But, uh, you know, an exciting upcoming, you know, three games to close out the month of, of January, assuming that, that the guys on the team can get healthy and are able to play that, that game against Nebraska on the 24th. And, you know, obviously we don't, we don't know when uh, 
when the Wisconsin game is going to be rescheduled, that was just canceled uh, like moments before we jumped on the pod tonight. So uh, more details will be coming out on that. Not not much of a break in the schedule to slot it in between now and um, the the last regularly scheduled game against Rutgers on the fifth of March. Right. So that I mean that game may end up not getting rescheduled. We'll just have to see. And uh, as far as the women go, I mean, it's been a, it's been a rough season, and that kind of continued tonight um, with a thirty point loss against the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, that was just it was, it was a rough game, and it, it's been a, it's been a rough season. And you know, we've been saying this every week. You know, they're still just trying to find their identity. Yeah, they're they're trying to make that pivot. I mean, obviously, they're coming out of an era where you had two of the best players Northwestern's ever had um and right trying to find an identity and trying to do it while a couple teams are really really up right now I mean you're talking Ohio State is in conversation for best team in the country and Iowa has the best player in the country so I mean you're it's it's a tough conference to be figuring things out in right now um yeah so anything else to to cover tonight guys that's pretty much. That's pretty much it. I mean, again, it's like we're it. We're in this weird place with the football team right now, right? Where I, it feels like there. We we haven't seen. It's not like there have been these miracle elixirs poured on all of the massive problems that have that existed last year and have existed for the last two years. But we feel like I think that in any in any situation where there was a decision to be made. Right. That I mean, I, again, I you know, we know that there was an expectation a lot of people had that, you know, Bajakin would be gone and that. But, you know, with that piece aside, a lot of the changes that people wanted to see made were made. And these these hires all look like great hires that were made for the right reasons and that that are bringing some really talented young coaches into this program. So, again, it's like, are these miracle fixes? No. But it's, you know, you, you, you keep try to keep pushing ahead and keep your focus on the positive and be like, we're seeing a lot of the right things being done right now. And we're going to hope that those are going to bear fruit on the field. Uh, and, and one last note, um, you know, we are still putting together our Westlaw Pirates uh, afternoon Super Bowl Sunday um, at, well, at Welsh Ryan Arena uh, to catch the Cats against Purdue. Um, you know, email like the posts at gmail.com. Uh, if you're interested in joining us, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, if, if that's something that you're interested in joining us up, uh, joining up with us before, uh, the Super Bowl, um, for a little Big Ten action, uh, check, you know, getting together at Welsh Ryan Arena, like the posts at gmail.com. Uh, shoot Jay an email and, uh, we'll, we'll get it put together. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, uh, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 